Podcast dedicated to suspense and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Aaron. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love scary old-time radio stories. There's nothing quite like a disembodied voice telling a genuinely disturbing tale. But do these stories stand the test of time, or are we being deceived by nostalgia? Are they suspenseful or forgettable? Bone-chilling or butt-numbing? That's what we're here to find out. This week, we return to CBS Radio Mystery Theater created by Hyman Brown and hosted by the one and only E.G. Marshall. The show ran from January 6th, 1974 through December 31st, 1982. This particular episode, The Great Brain, first aired February 21st, 1979. The Great Brain is an adaptation of the short story The Problem of Cell 13 by Jacques Futrelle. The story was first published in 1905. Two years later, the story was included in The Thinking Machine, a collection of Futrell's work that would be selected by crime writer H.R.F. Keating for his list of the 100 best crime and mystery books ever published. Futrell died on April 14, 1912, when he traveled overseas from Southampton to New York City aboard the RMS Titanic. Forget the petty distractions around you. Forget what you think you know. Forget everything but what you hear right now. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... at one time or another have believed, as Lord Byron did, in the power of thought, the magic of the mind. Hamlet also looked with his mind's eye. St. Mark was happily in his right mind. And even the great Caesar believed a good mind can possess a kingdom. Today we'll meet a man who is living proof of willpower over weight, of mind over matter. The mystery being, if a brain can make possible the impossible, what could you or I do just by thinking about it? Gregory, I'm not so sure I like being locked up in the same cell with you. Oh, what's that noise? Look who just came through that drain pipe. A rat. A, a, a rat? Here comes another one. I, I can't stand rats. They're not going to hurt you. We're, we're locked up in here. Guard! Let, let me out of this cell. Guard! God, there are rats in here! Our mystery drama, The Great Brain, based on a story by Jacques Futrell, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by James Agate Jr. and stars Gordon Heath. I'll be back shortly with Act One.
mysterious motion man is capable of is thinking. This is done by the mind. The mind is an activity of the brain. How it works is beyond us. We just don't know. That great mystery magician Sir Arthur Conan Doyle tells us, don't think about it. Stock up your brain attic with furniture where you can get at it when you need it. Is it that elementary, my dear Watson? When we tick, what makes us tick? Did you ring his doorbell, Herbert? Well, of course I did. Uh, Jason, give the man a chance to answer his front door. Maybe he's not home. Are you sure he said drop by at nine this evening? Well, of course I'm sure. Okay, I'll ring again. Herbert, uh, were you there at the chess match? No, no, I wish I had a bell. It was uncanny. Imagine a man who's never played chess winning over a grandmaster by sheer logic. Well, Gregory has more than logic to work with. What do you mean? He has a great brain. Gentlemen, I am pleased to see you. Uh, good evening, Gregory. Hey, good to see you too, Greg. Come in, come in. Have oh, you been ringing long? Didn't hear the bell? Let's go into the library. Hawkins has a good fire going. We'll sit and I'll put my problem to you. Oh, you must be joking, Gregory. You of all people with a problem? Sit down, sit down. Jason, Herbert, anywhere that looks comfortable. You know, we three scientists get together too rarely. Mm. Yes, I do have a problem. And it's only to my nearest and dearest friends, you two, that I would admit to it. Well, as you said at the chess match, it's your move. This is yesterday's Sunday Tribune. I'll read it. The mental marvel, Dr. Gregory March, has done it again. Defeated the Grandmaster Chess Champion in four out of five matches. Dr. March claims he never played the game before in his life. That concentration can make the incredible credible. Is it not more believable that Dr. March has kept secret all his abilities, which many suspect may be the case? Well, there are always detractors, Gregory, you know that. I keep trying to prove the superiority of the human brain, and at every turn I'd run into disbelief. So, gentlemen, that's the problem. And I am at your aid. Oh, Gregory, we know you can perform certain feats of, uh, what do I call it, uh, mental magic. Magic? But not anything is possible with brain power. I disagree. Not only anything, but everything is possible. You two set up the challenge, and I'll meet it. Greg? Uh, Jason and I have an idea for a test. Now, there are some things which will not yield to any amount of thought. What, for instance? Prison walls. No man can sink himself out of a cell. Uh, if he could, there'd be no prisoners. Uh, Greg, Greg, let's suppose you were locked in a cell, a special prison cell, reserved, let's say, for uh, the condemned murderer. Yeah. Now, suppose you were locked in such a cell. Could you escape? Certainly. By brain power alone? A good test. Have me locked up precisely as you would any man under sentence of death, and I'll get out. I will escape in a week. Say, the um, death cell at the state penitentiary? I think I could arrange that. I, I know the warden. You name it. What do you wear? Whatever's customary. No, not a prison uniform, but shoes, socks, trousers, shirt. You'll permit yourself to be searched, to go Naturally. My dear friends, it's not what's on my body that will help me out, but what's in my head. 
Au revoir, Hawkins. Take good care of the house. See you in a week. Uh, is it true, sir, that your friends are taking you this morning to the state penitentiary? Don't be concerned. Purely a scientific experiment. Ready when you are, Gregory. It's now 27 minutes past 7 o'clock. I shall be gone a week. Yes, sir. Will you be needing a suitcase and clothes? No, Hawkins. Just what I have on my back. One week and 12 hours from now, these two gentlemen will take supper with me here. Gordon Hammer, uh, let me introduce Dr. Gregory March. As I said to you last night on the telephone, Dr. March is to be your prisoner here at State Penitentiary. Uh, some kind of experiment, you said. Except in this case, the outcome is not unknown. But yes, all in the interest of science. So where do I begin, Warden? All right, Dr. March, you will first submit to being searched. Turn out your pockets, please. Now, will you remove your shoes and socks? I hope the inspection was satisfactory. You found nothing concealed which might aid me in escaping. Doctor, even if you had a blowtorch on you, I don't think you can get out of state, Ben. Gregory, uh, are you sure you want to do this? Would you and Herbert be convinced if I didn't? <laughs> no, I, I can't say we would. Uh, Warden, is it quite impossible for Dr. March to communicate with anyone outside the prison? Absolutely impossible. He won't be permitted anything to write with at all. And your guards, uh, would they deliver any messages from him? Not a word, directly or indirectly. They'd report to me immediately anything he said or turn over to me anything the prisoner might give them. I do have, however, three small requests. Well, I thought we all agreed to no special favor. I'm not asking any. I'd like to have some tooth powder. Not toothpaste, tooth powder. Secondly, I'd like to have one $5 bill and two $10 bills. <laughs> Warden, is there any man in this prison who our friend might bribe with the $25? He's not going to meet another prisoner. He'll be in solitary. And as for anyone else... <laughs> no, not for $2,500. Well, I can see no reason why Gregory shouldn't have the money. I think I have some tens. One, two. Uh, I've, uh, I've got a five. Now, you sure that's all you want, Greg? That'll be enough, thanks. You uh, had three requests, Doctor. Yes. The third is, before I go into my cell, I'd like to have my shoes polished. <laughs> This is cell 99. Uh, guard, open up, please. This is the cell where we keep condemned murderers. It's on the ground floor. It's visible to every passing guard. There's one small window, barred, of course, a bed, lavatory, and commode. Oh, this is awful. Greg, why don't you change your mind? Herbert, you're taking up valuable time by talking. Well, if I may ask you, Dr. March, valuable time for you to do what with? To think, Warden. Well, I ask it again, Warden. Oh, 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 I'm sure of the answer. There's no way any prisoner can leave this cell. No, sir, not without my permission. No one in 99 has any way of communicating with the outside. Jason, do I get the impression you don't trust me? Oh, not at all. I'm just making certain that you prove your case. Quite honestly. Oh, I was going to say scientifically. <laughs> Why don't we set up a control for the first night? Jason, join me here for the first day and night. Then you can observe. That's not a bad idea. I uh, think you should, Jason. Uh, you'd uh, you'd have to be searched also, you understand. Why not? I'll do it. 
Here, uh, Herbert, my keys, wallet. Well, in fact, take the whole jacket, mm-hmm. uh, so I'll be dressed in shirt sleeve like Gregory. Uh, if you don't mind, sir, I'll just check your clothing. <laughs> Go ahead. No hidden weapons, I assure you. I uh, notice cell 99 is on the main floor. Uh, the administration office is here, too? Well, just three doors down the cell block is my office, so I'm certainly going to hear anyone trying to get out. Now, Dr. March, your guard will bring you breakfast in the morning, then a meal at noon, and at six, you'll get dinner. The guard will stand by while you eat, and then remove a wooden spoon and bowl and cup. Then at night at night, there's a cell-by-cell inspection to him. Glad to hear it. The more security, the greater the challenge. (laughs) You're quite determined, aren't you, Dr. March? Yes, I am. Oh, in case I forgot to mention it, no one has ever escaped from state pen. No man has ever made it over that 18-foot electrified wall. Good of you to tell me, Warden. I'll make a note that is not the way to leave. Oh, sir, Jason? Hmm? Now, if you'll kindly lock us up, Warden. I certainly. God. So long, Greg. Good luck. I'll uh, stop by for you the first thing in the morning, Jason. Oh, Warden, what time is it now exactly? Uh, 11.17. Make a note of it on your calendar. I will join you, gentlemen, in the warden's office at 11.17 in the morning, one week from now. And uh, if you're not there, Greg? There's no if about it. Both of you gentlemen finish your dinner? Yes, God, you can remove the trays. That's the kind of food you're going to get for seven days. I don't envy you. I can afford to lose a little weight. You know, Gregory... I'd like to see you pull this off. I know you would. Would it be out of line to ask you how you go about it? When I tackle a new problem, I become all brain and mind. I begin by being a sponge, soaking up all the information I can. You can help. Go stand on the bed. Take a look out of the window and tell me what you see. Uh, 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 the prison yard lit by arc lights all around. Yeah, that wall looks higher than 18 feet. It's too smooth to climb up. And it's electrified on top. Mm. How many guards? Let's see. Oh, there are four of them patrolling. From the window, how far down is it to the yard? Just a couple of feet. Four, five. Good observation. Come down. <laughs> then I check my memory. Do you remember how we got to cell 99? Well, let's see. Uh, the main gate, guards booth there... Then through two heavy steel gates, then into the main prison to the warden's office on this floor. Then, uh, oh, two more steel doors in the corridor and the double locks on your cell. Step three, the inside. Search every corner. Completely bare. Not a chair, not a table. The bed seems to be welded together so that it can't be torn apart and used. (laughs) You really picked the impossible. That's the whole point. Now, when you were looking out the window, did you notice anything in particular about the arc lights in the yard? No, I don't think so. One of the wires leads up past my window to the roof. Was that important? It might be. No detail is unimportant. But you... What's that noise? Let me have a look. There's something over in this corner. Well, what do you know? A rat. A a rat? And another one. Now, where do they come from? Yeah, Gregory, I, I, I can't stand 
rats. I, I, I can't. Well, here's a third. I, I, I've got to get out of here. They're not going to hurt you, Jason. <laughs> get down to that bed. But we're locked up in here. Uh, guard! Let, let me out of this cell. Guard! Guard! Browning called the Pied Piper, in which he says, anything like the sound of a rat makes my heart go pit-a-pat. Seriously, though, the little rodents have been much maligned from Shakespeare to Shaw, and if I may be permitted to give you a hint of things to come, rats, for the size of their skulls, have far more brain power than man. I shall be back shortly with Act Two. Called our mystery the great brain. That brain resides in the cranium of scientist Dr. Gregory March. To prove its power, he has vowed that by logic alone he can, uh, forgive me, steal a march on his warden and his guards and escape from prison in seven days. It is the following morning. Breakfast, uh, right, Dr. March. Good morning, God. You know my name. Well, sir, the uh, whole prison's talking about you. Having yourself locked up. Hey, you say you've done nothing. Hey, here, I'll uh, put your tray in your bed. Now, you better eat up. I'm supposed to stay till you're finished. Ah, what do you have here? Coffee? What's this? Oatmeal? Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> there go the rats. They smell food, and that would help come miles. I've noticed there's no dry drain pipe in the wall. They run in and out of it like it's a revolving door. Yeah, well, that, that old pipe's big enough uh, for a rat, but hardly a human being. <laughs> I've never been partial to oatmeal, but uh, you can get used to anything. <laughs> hey, rats don't bother you, Doctor? They're more scared of me than I am of them. <clears throat> How far is the river? Oh, about 300 feet. Hey, we have a baseball diamond out there on the other side of the wall. Hey, just for the staff. <laughs> you finish your coffee? Almost. I noticed last night I was getting very thirsty. You think you could bring me a little water in a bowl and leave it here? Uh, I'll ask the warden. I'll appreciate that. I suppose you're the guard assigned to my cell, so I ought to know your name. It's Argus. Argus? Really? Right. Is that name something special? I should say it is. Ask me to tell you about it sometime. Warden, uh, may, I, uh, may I see you a moment? Yes, come in, August. Uh, is everything all right in 99? One of the armed guards on outside patrol handed me this just now. He said the prisoner threw it out of 99. I see. Five-dollar bill. Tied around a piece of cloth. Will you look at this? You see what it says? Binder of this, please deliver to the warden. This is a piece of torn shirt. His shirt. Wait a minute, look. Inside there's more writing. Looks like a code. May I see it, sir? Nakai epoxy got feet. It's not English. What do you make of it, August? Well, I'd try reading it backwards, sir. But if I want to escape, I can't. What, is he crazy? Why write me a note like this? What do you think, August? Well, I'm thinking, where did he get the pen and the ink to write with? (laughs) 
What are you doing on your hands and knees over there? Oh, hello, Warden. Just playing with a little bigger. There isn't much else to do to amuse yourself. I, um... I brought you this prison shirt. You won't find it so easy to write on dark blue denim striped with black. You know, I don't know what you hope to accomplish by that silly note. I know why you're here. But I warn you, it's my duty to stop you from escaping. And... What did you write that note with? Isn't finding that out also your duty? Angus, how many days have I been in cell 99? Uh, three whole days, Dr. March. And my name isn't Angus, it's Argus. How could I have forgotten? The new drainage system that was put in leads right to the river, does it? Uh, yes, sir. I suppose the pipes are pretty small. Oh, no, not if you're five inches high. <laughs> You're very watchful and quick. When I started this, August, I was firmly convinced escape was possible. How would you react to a considerable financial reward? For what? For helping me escape. You've got the keys. Nope. $500? Nope. $1,000? <laughs> Dr. March, if you gave me $10,000, I-, I-, I couldn't let you out. Now, between here and the main gate, there are seven different doors. Now, I only have keys for this building. Besides, I, I, I just couldn't do it. Spoken like an August. Yeah, what is it about my name, sir, that makes you say that? In good time, my vigilant watchman. I shall tell you. Tried to bribe you, did he? First some dumb message in code, now attempted bribery. You know, August, I'm beginning to worry about that cell. Come on, come on along with me. I'm going to try to persuade him to forget this. Sears, open the cell block. What is it? I, I hear something from cell 99. Okay. Let's move up real quiet and see what he's up to. Well, it sounds like he's got a file on his... Working one of the steel bars. Dr. March, what are you doing? Uh, not a thing, Warden. All right, guard the cell door, please. What are you hiding behind your back, Doctor? Behind my back? Nothing. See? My hands are empty. Guard, search him. Hey, here's something, Warden. Here. Well, well, well. That looks like a metal instep from a shoe. Hiding it under your belt, Doctor. <laughs> You're going to have to do better than that. Uh, here's another one, Warden. Oh, thank you. Well, that accounts for both shoes. You know, Doctor, never in a million years can you cut those window bars with something like this. Why don't you call your friends and tell them you're ready to give up? Tell them the scientific experiment is over. I haven't started yet. Argus, come back to my office with me for a moment, will you? I have an idea. Gordon, do you think he has any chance of getting out? No, of course not. Just the same, he's darn clever. I was reading in the trip about him. That fellow Jimmy Purvis had a whole column about him being here. I don't know how he found out. He calls him Big Brain or Great Brain. You know something? It still bugs me that I don't know how he wrote that note. 
Who's that? Uh, the prisoner we just got up in 79. Two tears up. Come on, up the stairs, Argus. Quick. One, one more flight, Warden. Oh, I'm getting too old for this. What's the matter with you? Stop that noise. All right, God, open it. What am I to do? Get off your knees, prisoner. August, you know what's the matter with this man? Take me out of this cell, please. Take me out. Who is this fellow? What's he accused of? Uh, Henry Victor, sir. He's accused of throwing acid in a woman's face. She uh, died of it. I can't prove it. I can't prove it. Please put me in some other right, cell. I don't care, Victor. I'm the warden. If you've heard anything strange, I want to know what it was. I can't. I can't. Well, where did it come from? I don't know. Everywhere. Nowhere. Please don't speak me answer. You must answer. It was a voice. But it wasn't human. Yes, go on. Go on. It was so muffled and so far away and ghostly. Was it from outside or inside the prison? I told you, it didn't come from anywhere. It was here, right, right here, everywhere. I, I, I get the walls. Please, warden. I'll go crazy. You've got to do something. Afternoon, August. I see they've got you on the yard shift. How do you like it out of doors? Hey, Dr. Mark, you're supposed to be inside yourself. I am inside, August. You're not calling out of your window to me here in the yard. Now, why don't you obey the rules, Doctor? You've only got three more days. I wanted to ask you, August, who services these prison arc lights? Hey, oh, I don't know. It's somebody from the outside. You have no electricians in the prison? No, no, sir, we don't. I think you'd save tons of money if you had your own man. Well, it's none of my business. Uh, doctor, will you please get away from your window? Before I go, I have something for you, August. Step up a little closer, huh? Can you reach out from the yard to my window? What is it? Just this $5 bill. Take it. Well, what for? For being so affable and understanding. Keep it. You deserve it. And he's in his cell looking out the window and he hands me this $5 bill. Said it was for me. I, I should keep it. Let me see. $5. Wait a minute. March only had two tens and a five. One five came with that note. So where did he get this one? Well, uh, could somebody have changed one of the tens for him? Who? You're the only one he sees. I've got to search 99 again. Something's hidden somewhere. When a prisoner can write messages when he wants, get money when he wants, we're in deep trouble. This could cost me my job. Uh, who is it? It's me, the warden. Uh, still dark. What time is it? Oh, please don't shine that flashlight in my face. It's 3 o'clock, Doctor. Well, you're an early riser. You wouldn't care to come back when it's daylight, I suppose. I'm going to search every inch of this cell. Get up, please. First of all, I want to move your bed away from the wall. Nope. No, I don't need your help. You stand over there in that corner. Now, see what we have back here. Is that? Yeah, it must be. 
The old drain pipe. What have you got in there? Oh, darn it, my fingers don't quite re... Yeah, I, I got a hold of something. Oh, a dead rat. Oh, yes, one of my local friends. Oh, my back. I shouldn't bend over that way. Doctor, help me move the bed up to the cell window. No funny business. Happy to oblige. I might leave it there. Get a little more air. I'll just get myself up on it. Why are you standing on my bed? Just want to examine these bars. Yeah, I'm solid. Solid. Everyone. <laughs> All perfectly rigid. I don't move. I'm coming down. I was just going to give you a hand. Don't bother. Stand right there and we'll have a look at your clothing. All right, turn your trouser pockets inside out. Both of them? Come on, doctor. Stop stalling the left pocket. Okay. All the right. Uh-oh, money. Give it here, will you? One dollar bills. Five of them. If you'd like to borrow them, Warden, feel free. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me get this straight. When I locked you up here, you had two tens and a five. You sent one five with a note. You gave Argus another five. How did you get these? Now, don't tell me you just thought them up. I was going to say just that, but um, I won't. All right, I can't force you to talk, but I can watch your every move for the next 48 hours. Escaping from state penitentiary isn't going to be that easy. But, Warden, I never thought it would be. the maneuvers of a superior intellect. Each move we have heard Dr. Gregory March make has a reason. I shall return shortly with Act Three. I don't think either you or I doubt Gregory March isn't going to be able to escape that fortress of bars, steel, and stone. I suspect for all his bluff, the warden fears the same. It's how he'll do it that fascinates. What transforming power is this super brain able to exert? It is the fifth day. The hour is late. The warden turns restlessly in his bed. Warden, how much time is that? Where's the light? Where's that phone? Night, Eddie. Hit the alarm and get Argus to call me back. Better get some clothes on. Oh, my back. That crazy man again. Okay, I do Turn the alarm on. Victor's screaming. I, I, I can't get him to quiet down. Open up his cell, Argus. No, 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 Victor. What's going on? Will you get up off the floor? What's all the yelling about? I can't stand him. I did I killed him. I killed him. Yes, I did. I killed him. Take that voice away. Get it away from me. Take what voice away? Enough. I admit I killed him. I threw the acid in her face. I didn't mean for him to die. Come on, Victor. Stop it. Stop it. It me. I did it. I confess. Get me out of this cell. Here he is. What? I don't hear anything. No, stop. 
that voice again. Kind of muffled, like a voice from the dead. What does it tell you? Acid, acid, acid. It keeps saying that over and over again. It accuses me, see? Acid. Because I clearly acid and the woman died. She couldn't identify me, see? But I had to confess. I got to a voice is making me. Is that all your voice said? Just acid? That's, that's what it was saying yesterday. That's the day before. Nothing else? What? Something else is it? I remember now. Size eight. Yes, that's what it was. Size eight hat. Yes, size eight hat. Very clear. Said it uh, a couple of times. Good morning, August. This is the warden. You can congratulate me. It's the seventh day, and I'm still playing with a full deck. The two friends of Dr. March are here. Yeah, I know it's very early. Would you bring us all some coffee? <laughs> Thanks. Well, Warden, I'll confess to you. I thought he'd do it. And I'm very surprised he hasn't. Aren't you, Herbert? Well, not really, Jason. Even brain power's got its limitations. Well, I can tell you now, he didn't really try very hard. Spent most of his time being friendly with his guard, playing with the rats in the cell, writing notes. Now, that is something I never caught on to, where he got the pen and ink. And you know that 25 you gave him? Mm-hmm. It turned into a 10, two fives, five singles. Crazy. Hmm. We never came into contact with any other prisoners? Never. I saw him, and his guard saw him. Well, here he is now. Uh, this is Mr. Argus, who's personally been in charge of cell 99. I just put the coffee on the desk, Argus. Gentlemen, help yourself. Uh, Warden, I have a special delivery letter for you. Oh, thank you. Tell me, how is our distinguished Houdini this morning? Well, half an hour ago at six, he was sleeping like a baby. Oh, he uh, gave me this last night. What is it? A silver dollar. He handed it to you? Yes, sir. To remember him by. (laughs) You see what I mean, gentlemen? Crazy stunts like that. But trying to escape? No, sir. Oh, excuse me. Warden here. What are clothes? Well, if you discovered it last night, why didn't you take care of it then? Well, sure, call the electric service company. They have to send three or four men down here in a double to fix it. Problems? Oh, an arc light on one side of the yard has been out all night. Uh, are you going to open the letter, Warden? It was a special delivery. Huh? Oh, yeah, of course. Don't be a son of a gun. Well, what is it? You look at the envelope. A special delivery letter, return address, cell 99. It says, dear friends, don't forget you're invited for dinner tonight at 727. Warden Hammer, that means you, too. And you, my vigilant Argus. Faithfully yours, Gregory Mark. Argus. You hightail yourself over to cell 99 right now and see if that man's still in there. Main gate, this is the warden. Those electricians arrived yet? Three workmen and a supervisor. Okay, but just make sure only four men leave. That gentleman is security. 
I, uh, I can't get over this letter. The, the, the nerve. Yeah? Two reporters? Sure, why not? Yeah, bring them over to my office. Did either of you gentlemen tell the press to be here this morning? No, nope. neither did I. Warden, he's in his cell, all right. Still asleep. I could see him uh, through the cell door. I've been looking at this letter. It's Gregory's handwriting, but the postmark is blurred. Looks like last night's date. How did he do it? That's what's got me. If he is in his cell, how did he do it? Margus, go see who that is. Oh, the reporters. Hello, Warden. Hi, Jimmy. Uh, gentlemen, this is Jimmy Purvis from the Trib. Uh, come on in and bring your friend, Jim. All right, folks. I uh, heard there's a story here. Uh, now, let me uh, introduce my associate. Uh, turn around, pal. Dr. Gregory March. Greg? How did you do it? <laughs> Forgive me. I'm a little earlier than 11.17, but I don't think Warden Hammer will mind. March, will you mind telling me? Hi, I... Warden. Why don't we all go back to cell 99 and I'll show you. Jimmy, I think the Trib will enjoy this story. Jimmy, this has been my home for a week. Certain disadvantages, but certain advantages. To demonstrate the extraordinary advantages of this extraordinary cell, I step on the bed, sweep my hand across the bars on this small window, and presto! Oh. <laughs> the window bars all fall down like magic. Oh. How could that be? I tested those. Before, Warden. Now that. Who's that in the bed? Mr. Nobody. August. Shine your light upon that strange bedfellow. I pull back the cover a wee bit, and what do you see, gentlemen? A wig. You ought to know, Jimmy. The color is excellent. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor. Would you mind pulling the covers all the way back, Dr. March? What's that body made of? Oh, happy to oblige. Look for Warden, would you be so good as to identify what you see on the bed? I can't believe it. It's a coil of rope. Thirty feet, I'll have you know. And there are a couple of files... A roll of uh, fine wire, pair of pliers. Sure beats me. If you'll excuse me, I'd better get myself back to the house. It takes me quite a while to decide what wines should be served at our little celebration. Just a minute. Aren't you going to tell us how you did it? Perhaps later. Over the brandy. Well, my very dear friends, was that dinner worth waiting for? I trust everyone else had enough to eat. Shall we tell them, Jimmy? No, you tell them, Doctor. They were your ideas. Very simple. You sit down and you weigh the odds. On one side, you have seven steel doors, and on the other, a rat hole. My escape was facilitated by a rat running out of a rat hole. Yes, but what did you write the notes with? And where did you get the money and all those things stuffed in your bed to make it look like you were sleeping? I mean, the rope... Wire, pliers, you had a hardware store for. Uh, let me tell it my way, Warden. You sit there. You say, where do those rats go? Into the river? Or does the old drain come out on land? So you examine the little beggars. Their feet are dry. They are land rats. I see that, but it's still hundreds of yards between cell 99 and where the drain ends. Warden, 
Did you know there's a quarter of a mile of cotton thread in one good cotton sock? Let me show you. I snip one end with my fingernail and then pull gently, gently. See? One continuous thread. So I wrote a note on a piece of shirt. That was before you confiscated my white shirt, remember? Mm-hmm. Tied my instructions to a $10 bill and tied the whole thing to a rat's foot and sent him on his way through the old drain, keeping the other end loosely in my hand. <laughs> I knew the little beast, as soon as he got out of the pipe, would sit down and gnaw the thread off, which is what he did. It must have been the next day a boy showed up at the Trib and asked for me. He had to be the note which said, Will the finder take this to Jimmy Purvis at the Tribune? He'll give you another $10. And the kid had found the note playing ball. Uh, what made you interested, Mr. Purvis? Well, the uh, note said, I dare you. And it was signed, Chess Player. I made the boy show me where he'd found the note, and sure enough, there was a thread. It ran the length of the old drain. That afternoon, I felt a tug, and I knew I had an ally. The thread passed notes back and forth, and wire became rope, and a plan was set up for today. You came pretty close, Warden, but your fingers weren't long enough. All you found was the dead rat I put there. I still want to know, what did you write the notes with? The metal tip of my shoelace made a pen. The shoe polish, moistened with water, was the ink. Doctor, I've got to hand it to you. Hey, uh, Dr. Marge. Did you have anything to do with a prisoner who was two tiers right above in cell 99? He was hearing voices. I'm afraid I'm to blame for better or worse. All the old drain pipes must be connected. To cut the bars, I needed nitric acid. I'd run out of shoe polish, so I tried whispering nitric acid into the drain pipe so Jimmy could hear me at the other end. Oh, so Victor did hear that word. Acid. After repeating it several nights, Jimmy got the message, sent some test tubes full of nitric to me, and with the wire, I was able to cut the bars. The tooth powder kept the acid from spreading. But once I got out of my cell, how to get to the warden's office disguised? We worked out this plan for me to have a workman's uniform, and I whispered to Jimmy, get me a size 8 hat. He did hear a size 8 hat. Poor Victor. So... It was you who cut the wire outside your window leading to the arc light. August, congratulations. That's just what I did. When the warden called the electric service company, I was waiting there. You were there, Miss Burns? Mm-hmm. I persuaded the supervisor I'd like to go along that maybe there was a story. And I brought extra overalls and a hat for Dr. Marsh. I'd escaped through the window in the darkness a couple of hours earlier, replaced the bars, and hid behind one of the buildings. I'd watched the patrols. I knew exactly what their route was. So I arrived with the electricians, helped Dr. March get dressed, and the two of us walked into your office, Warden. End of an escape. (laughs) I'll be darned. There's always a way. Just rely on your brain. Jimmy, don't be too hard on the Warden here. And August, my faithful guard. I've enjoyed every moment, sir. Whoever christened you must have known the profession you'd follow. Well, how so, sir? Why, your name. It means a very watchful person. Argus was a mythical being with a hundred eyes, some of which were always wide open. (laughs) Not open wide enough, I'd say. Excuse me while I catch my breath. It takes some doing chasing after the convolutions of a great brain in action. It's even a strain to stay on the sidelines of this battle of wits. For my money, 
to be kept guessing until the very end is, I think, mystery theater at its most intriguing. I shall return in a moment with a thought my brain has just come up with. The pertinent point that suddenly jumped in front of my mind was remembering a short verse by Emily Dickinson. I don't know whether she ever knew Dr. Gregory March, the great brain, but she could have when she wrote this. The brain is wider than the sky, for put them side by side, the one the other will contain with ease, and you beside. Our cast included Gordon Heath, Russell Horton, Earl Hammond, and Ian Martin. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. What what can I do for you? You are a cab driver, is that right? Yes. You went to 132 Clarkson Street earlier this evening, eh? Yes. About 8.30 to be exact? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I remember the time because he was very definite about wanting to get there by exactly 8.30. Uh, who was very definite? Well, the man we're talking about. The man I drove up there. Uh, all right. Let's go, Mr. Grove. Well, um, uh, my wife and I were about to go out to dinner. Do I have to come all the way down to the station? Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> but, uh, please don't get me wrong. I want to be all the help to you guys I can, but, uh... Couldn't I just answer whatever questions you got here? You, uh, <clears throat> you don't seem to get it, Mr. Grove. What do you mean? A guy was killed at 132 Clarkson Street tonight, and we're taking you into custody on suspicion of first-degree murder. Mrs. E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant Radio Mystery Theater and the episode The Great Brain here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. This was Tim's choice this week, and you delved back into CBS Radio Mystery Theater, which months ago we did our first one on the podcast, and I believe I introduced you to it. You had never listened to it before, and it is... Near and dear to my heart. I love CBS Radio Mystery Theater so much, and we talked about that last time we did this. It's just such a wonderful program. Introduced me to all of this when I was a young man listening on uh, WCCO late at Sunday nights. Uh, I am taking from the fact that you selected another one that not only did I introduce you, but you like it. Both true. (laughs) (laughs) Good. I'm glad you Have you listened to others since the two that we've done on the show are just these two. Just these two. So, there's, yeah, time is And precious. now he's going to stop. Yeah. <laughs> That's taken care of. How did you find the great brain out of the 1,400 uh, episodes of CBRS MST <laughs> that are available? 
Well, here's how I came to select this episode. Uh, when I was in elementary school, I don't know if other folks had this, once a month or so, get these little scholastic quarterly, or not quarterly if they're monthly. Anyways, we got a little catalog where you could order books. Yeah, yes, of yeah, course. Of course. And Dynamite Magazine. Yeah. Um, and so I, as a kid, would get a pretty healthy chunk of books each time these came out. And one of these was The Thinking Machine. Um, not the whole collection, but just that one story. Hmm. Uh, and I loved that story as a kid. And so when I was looking for a story for an episode this time around, I, I wonder if anyone ever did an adaptation of this story. And as it happens, someone did. It was CBS Radio Mystery Theater. Um, and so it was a happy coincidence that the story I wanted to do was adapted by this uh, series that I liked so much. Uh, how close to the original is it? How much liberty does it take? It has been so many years since I actually read the story. <laughs> right. And I suppose I could have done some research. I, I reread the story. Uh, uh, here you. it comes. <laughs> Josh. And here's what's wrong. Did you really reread the story for this? I did. It takes less time. It's a short story. It's longer <laughs> to listen to the radio show than it is to read the short story. And it, they are both really good. Honest to God, do you sleep? <laughs> How it's do you time, find it takes time? 15 yeah, minutes when to you read add an entertaining to it, story. The stuff you do every day yeah. that's on your list. It's not just this podcast. This is one of 10 podcasts you do for starters. No. But <laughs> <laughs> Answer the question. I did read it while making macaroni and cheese for my daughter, if it makes you feel How better. How do you even do that? <laughs> on my computer. It's propped up by the stove. And, um, oh, my God. I mean, God. you boil some water, and then you add the pasta. <laughs> I have to. It's got to be whole milk because they hate it if you use skim. I have to stop making dinner for my daughter if I'm watching Law and Order because I can't do both at the same time. Well, you got to multitask. But back to your question. <laughs> yes. How they different. inexplicably changed everybody's names, which was the only weird thing. Like there, there's some pointless I mean, the, changes. Yeah, the, the main character's name is like August. Initial, initial, initial. Van, yeah. Van Dusen. Van, I think. <laughs> Professor Augustus Van Dusen. So Gregory March seemed... Yeah. Little... They probably thought it was a bit overblown for the time. And they're trying to make it contemporary, which is probably why they changed it from The Thinking Machine, which was his nickname in the original stories. To the sarcastic sounding great, great brain. Great brain. And right. my, my only criticism of the adaptation would be that in the story, the main character, Augustus or Gregory in the radio version is a little wittier and a little more fun. He's kind of a jerk in this one. He's not. Yeah, he uh, yeah. And when you're adapting something and the original story has like witty, funny lines from the protagonist, why would you cut those out? There are a couple that I will just bring up like uh, in the beginning, which is where you want uh, this character to be funny because you're introduced to him, right? He's being asked uh, if he would allow himself to be locked in a prison cell. And he says, certainly. I have done more asinine things than that to convince other men of less important truths. <laughs> and I mean, why not take that line if you're right. adapting it? That is that is great. Yeah, I might steal that. Yeah, a couple others. But that makes my point for me. And there's also a couple things where it's 1905 in the original story. So when it's supposed to be 1979 and the prison warden's like, yep, that jail cell's full of rats. Oh, well. <laughs> it, it seems more apt for 1905. And in the 1905 story, Augustus slash Gregory actually says, this is appalling that there are rats in this cell. <laughs> right. He actually calls the warden out on it. But in 1979, like, oh, well. So 79 was the air date of this? Is that yes. correct? Okay. My guess on the changing of the name, when I hear Augustus, I think Augustus Gloop. 
clearly they that's, wanted like more modern sounding. I'm just saying yeah. that yeah. you cannot use the word Augustus anymore. Yeah. yeah, I can't even hear the word August. It's Gloop Month. Gloop <laughs> <laughs> <Clute> Month. <laughs> um, so Tim came over early for the podcast recording, <laughs> and I was still listening to this. So Tim got to watch me watch this. <laughs> And I, of course, he's not reacting, not just so he doesn't give anything away. And I'm not reacting so that we don't ruin the podcast and tell him what I think. So yeah. Tim has been patiently waiting, but he did see me roll my eyes a couple of times. This seemed like a David Blaine magician trick. I think it got a little far-fetched at a certain point of how we got out of there. I wanted a simpler answer, but here's my thing. I enjoyed it. But I didn't find it at all suspenseful. It's really odd. This is a mystery with no crime. I mean, he solves a crime inadvertently by accident. <laughs> I love right. that part of it. <laughs> but it's just... Acid! The... Did someone say acid? I did it! <laughs> <laughs> but the mystery is, can this guy do the thing he said he was going to do? Yeah, okay. Yeah, he can do that. But I was hooked. Yeah, I wanted yeah. I wanted to find out. And I've read the story. <laughs> I still couldn't remember all of it. I will say I was hooked. In the sense of, Tim watched me trying to guess. I was like, oh, the arc lights. Wait, hold on. That's got something to do with it. I was hooked in the sense of I wanted to figure out what and happened. But I was waiting. <laughs> Here's what I wanted to happen. I didn't want, I wanted something horrible to go wrong and have it become a horror suspense. <laughs> we went in the cell and he was dead and it turned into a werewolf. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I and I mean, I something. think our podcast has room for mystery in it. And I think it's mysterious why Tim picked this episode. No, <laughs> no, I love this. And I think this is a nice break from the supernatural evil we've been listening to for about four weeks straight. Right. Um, a lot of it. And suspense to me is not knowing how everything is going to come together, right? right? To a certain degree, what's going to happen next. And I think this definitely has that. But I think some things would have been more effective, like some of the things you think are far-fetched, had they done this as a period piece. Right. Mm. Had they said it in 1905. And... uh, a lot of the contrivances, I think, would have seemed less contrived. Mm-hmm. And I, I normally will have a hard time with a plot that demands this elaborate plan must go perfectly or nothing will work. And I appreciate in this story that some of the things don't go as planned. Mm-hmm. And then there's a line again in the story I, I saw on Wikipedia um, <laughs> where he gets asked at the end, which is not in the radio show, of... Well, what if all these things didn't go well? Like, what if the rat got lost? What if blah, 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 blah? Like, well, I had two other plans. <laughs> yeah. Right. That would have been a great thing to include. <laughs> yeah. I, I hear what you're saying, that it is nice to do something a little different than what we've done. And I didn't hate it by any means. It was enjoyable. I think because of what we do on this podcast, I was just waiting for the twist. It's an oddball genre of story, of yeah. mystery that has no stakes. Yeah, there was no space. And it's a locked room mystery in some ways, Uh, just not the most traditional one because there's no murder victim. But yet there is. There's the poor woman who got acid (laughs) thrown in her face. The only moment that really took me out of it is at some point when Gregory's going how he did all this and that it was a pure accident that he was saying acid through the drain pipe. Um, And I don't know if it was the warden or if it was Argus. Someone goes, oh, poor Victor. That poor man who threw yeah. acid in the woman's <laughs> yeah, yeah. face and had to go through He's the so psychological sensitive. trauma yeah. of hearing the word acid again. I had a moment where it made me laugh where the warden says, remove your shoes and socks, sting. 
dun 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. They could have timed the organ sting a little differently. And that's one thing I, I will say about CBS Mystery Radio Fun Time Theater. All the all the words that come after CBS. Um, <laughs> part of the appeal, uh, it's a double-edged sword, is how old-timey and laid-back it is. But it sometimes has low-energy performances. Very much I so. I think this would have been improved by, as usual, a little bit of editing, some of the wittier dialogue from the story being included, and finding different places to put those stinks. Even like the hook. It's like, we're in a jail cell with rats! Dun-dun-dun! It doesn't give you yeah. much of a hook. Uh, we talked about this last time we did the CBS Radio Mystery Theater Fun Time uh, Bonanza <laughs> uh, Croft Super Show. Um, <laughs> it's 45 minutes. With commercials, it's an hour. And I think there are a lot of stories they did over their 1,400 episodes that uh, weren't 45 minutes long mm-hmm. of content. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they had to figure out how to make them 45 minutes long. And I don't know how so much of that is how, down. how programmed we are to hear these things in 25-minute well, chunks, yeah. and, uh, in all to fairness. to jump on that, you know, all of us write and perform comedy. And if you watch, as we have recently been watching a lot of Carol Burnett, the sketches are long. There's a lot of setup. There's a lot of space between jokes. And if you watch anything now, I could name a 100 shows. Everybody Loves Raymond, for example, is joke, bum, bum, joke, bum, bum, joke, joke, joke. In a sketch on the Carol Burnett show, it's... Talk, 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 joke, fall down, joke, joke. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a different time, and there is more patience. And I think as Joshua sits here and looks at his phone uh, for his notes, this instant, <laughs> but I'm saying this, I'm participating, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said for his notes. It's not like reading the news. But we have instant, instant. Everything's instant, and it's speeding everything up. And our desire to have things faster, I think, will affect how slow we think a CBS Radio Mystery Theater is moving. I also really appreciated CBS Radio Mystery Funhouse, etc. <laughs> Dr. Shrinker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it is for all episodes, but the nice flourishes of poetry. In the intros? In the interstitial and in the intros, yeah. yeah. E.G.? Yes. I really like those, and I think they really reinforced this story and maybe upped its game a little. I love the narration of E.G. Marshall. I think it is the biggest selling point of the show, what he's written for him or he wrote or his delivery, but coming back from the break and his setting you up, it's just in his voice, He's of course, so mild, and so it's so in you contrast. You called him scary grandpa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like grandpa murder. <laughs> Can I sit on your lap again, grandpa murder? Story. <laughs> uh, but I agree. I think that it has a lot to do with the success of the show. And we talked about this last time, too. There's a surprising a lack of Foley. They'll skip footwalks and door shuts. Here we are in a room. You don't need to walk in and shut the door. I want to point out, technically, he never actually escaped the prison. He, he, he escaped- got as far as the warden's office and called it good. <laughs> Although he did set it up by saying in 1117, you know, I'll, be, I'll meet you in the warden's office. But when they say, like, there's seven doors between you and the outside, like, oh, I'll get through one. <laughs> I got news for you, too. I wouldn't help you for $10,000. You're an idiot. (laughs) This guy is not a prisoner. You're not going to get in trouble for it. He's a guy in a bet, which, by the way, I'm sure that our prison system would allow that. 
Right. <laughs> Just come on I, in. I bet they would. I bet they would. <laughs> but I'm telling you, if a guard was offered ten grand for a guy that's really not a prisoner, no, you should. That would take be it. a really dull story. Yep, but um, <laughs> you should have, because <laughs> that was ten grand. And in 1979, I did the math, and it's $1 trillion. <laughs> wow. I know. Speaking of money, I do love the show-off stuff with making change with all the bills. I, that's and having them life. just go, what, the, what you got? You I had a $5, you have a $10. Did, I didn't I really it. catch how he did it. It was through the reporter. It was yes, just bringing, yes. Okay. They just kept sending things back and forth through this pipe. Yeah. yeah. Anything that was under five inches, he had. And the, the punctuation of the silver dollar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Well, you know, if he really had any flourish, he should have had a, a top hat and pulled a rabbit out of it. <laughs> and I don't know if they made it explicit in the radio version, but in the story, the whole idea of putting that dead rat in the pipe was to make anyone who was trying to search the pipe put their hand on a dead rat first and then dissuade them. Like, okay, I've searched enough. I <laughs> found a dead rat and I'm done, which I thought was clever. I couldn't remember. My memory is that the things like sending the message out for the warden to find, handing the, the $5 to Argus, it was a little bit of a stunt and a little bit of testing theories. Mm-hmm. Unlike Sherlock Holmes, who sometimes is presented as this super calculating machine who is above everyone else and knew it the whole time, he's literally spitballing. It's yeah. a super intellectual spitballing, but he's just trying everything. And that's really interesting. When he grabbed the dead rat in the pipe, I thought he was going to say, what say there, fussy britches? I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. It's a Shawshank reference. Oh. 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 It was a movie. Anyway. Hey, <laughs> Guys, great brain. I just want to let you That is a great brain. <laughs> the great brain. <laughs> Final verdict. <laughs> uh, I would not call this a classic. I delighted and I was so happy to find that uh, there was an adaptation of a beloved childhood story. If I had gone into it not expecting the twist or the horror or this is, you know, the thing that we do on the show all the time, I would have been, probably not been so, oh, so he got it. He did it. You know, like, oh. And there was a a little bit of, I think, the explanation of how he did it, just a tad ridiculous. Like, I wanted to be extremely plausible, and it was up to a point. You know what I mean? There was parts of it like, yeah, Oh, it's patently ridiculous. I mean, I think that's part of the appeal, but technically possible. And I mean, this is that early era of detective fiction, and it's not even really totally become detective fiction yet. I mean, we've had Sherlock Holmes before this. It's 1905. But he's using some of those same elements just as this show-off character who's not even solving crimes. And I enjoyed it for a period piece, even though it wasn't presented as one. Here's what I thought was going to happen, and I wish it would have. That he's in this jail cell trying to get out, and while he's in there, they discover he's committed a crime, so he has to stay. (laughs) 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 That's what I thought was going to happen. Oh... Stupid me and my stupid ego, and now I'm here. <laughs> I feel it stands the test of time, yet it does seem dated, and I think it would have stood the test of time better, ironically, had it been a period piece, as, as I said. I agree. Um, but I found it a great uh, palate cleanser after the last couple episodes that we have done, and a lot of fun, although I am a fan of this era of early detective story. And I do want to share one thing about Futrell. 
dying on the Titanic. That is really sad. <laughs> he was like a yeah. successful writer. And I read his story. He was on the boat with his wife. He was one of those guys that insisted that his wife get on the boat and his wife survived and he stayed on the ship. And she said mm. like the last thing she saw of him was, you know, he was standing on the deck smoking with uh, one of the Astors <laughs> who died <laughs> on the boat too. So it's going, we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah sad but uh so i think all that mixes together all that knowledge uh and and i just found it a lot of fun all right tim hey go to ghoulishdelights.com you'll find other episodes of this podcast you will also find information about our live performances um we do live shows particularly at the james j hill center in saint paul and you can find out dates and shows at ghoulishdelights.com you can also go to itunes and write a review show off your great brain Write, <laughs> write an amazing <laughs> review. Use some big words. Trying to connect it somehow. Really good. All Thanks. right. I uh, planned that. <laughs> what are we doing next? Next week is October, and that means we are kicking off Monster Month on the podcast. That's five episodes of monsters. You know, for Halloween. Until next time. Look out! Now, will you remove your shoes and socks?